Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. It is important to understand that everybody travels a different path to success. That's because your brand is different. The challenges you face in your life are different. So you need to start reading other people's success stories and really start writing your own. Now, you can be motivated by the success. Don't get me wrong. I want you to do that. I want you to understand what they've done. But what they've done is what they've done. What you have to do is plan your own path, your own level of understanding based on your own abilities and set your goals and put forth 100 percent effort. My next guest is one of those 100 percenters. His name is Rob Hardy. He is a graduate of FAMU. He directs some of the TV's hottest shows, including Power Book 2, Ghost, Power Books 3, Raising Canaan, that comes out this summer, Prodigal Son, Evil, Shameless, Blackish, Stargirl, How to Get Away with Murder, The Flash, Criminal Minds, among others. Rob Hardy also has executive produced a number of movies that you're familiar with. No Good Deeds, Think Like a Man, That's Me, <laughs> Stump of Yard. Plus, his fun foundation identifies, trains, and mentors adults, career seekers from diverse backgrounds to pursue lucrative and lasting opportunities in the Georgia film and television workforce. Please welcome. He was on my show before. We got along fantastic. I think we're going to do business in 2021. Please welcome to the show, Money Making Conversation, that is, Rob Hardy. Hey, Rob. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Hey, Rob, a lot to say about you. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, happy 2021, man. And listen, I uh, I I appreciate all the shout outs. I do. Yeah, well, well, you know, the thing about it, Rob, first of all, one of the reasons I brought you on the show, I, I, first of all, the first time I interviewed you was amazing because you one of those those solid warriors. You know, you're out there, man, just flip the script. You do. You're not just a minority or a black director. Your, your resume includes a diverse platform of sci fi, comedy, uh, drama. How do you walk in all those different shoes? You know, it's, uh, uh, you know, when I'm working, it's all about the story and I love different types of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So whether it is sci-fi or teen dramas or drug dealers or relationships <laughs> or doctors, I think mm -hmm. that at the end of the day, it's all about a human story and trying to figure out what that is. And then you get a chance to play in like the different worlds. So today we're in space. You know, tomorrow we're in the South Bronx. So, you know, that and everything in between, I'm, I'm just, I'm here for that. And it's amazing because uh, I wanted to bring on the show because in 2020, you know, it's an amazing year, COVID hit, civil unrest, but one jewel started shining in 2021. That's HBCUs. And yeah. you're an HBCU alum of the infamous fam mute. <laughs> Absolutely, man. The highest of seven hills located in sunny Tallahassee, Florida. Absolutely. I'm a family rattler. And uh, and that school has been everything to me. And, and it basically laid the foundation for me and a bunch of other people from our era to really come in uh, and, and try to do our thing. So, I, so I love fam. Okay, cool. So where are you originally from and how did you pick FAMU to, to pursue your higher education? Uh, I grew up in uh, Philadelphia, Philly, PA, and um, my mom wound up taking a job in Florida. And she said, hey, you know, you should apply to uh, uh, an in-state school so we could afford it. Right. And so um, 
I wound up getting to FAMU that way. Um, and, you know, had a degree and in, in, got a degree in engineering. And it was probably like the best, one of the best experiences ever because it was so many, you know, different types of people from all over the world that looked just like me, um, right. that were going to school, but they also had like a hustle and a passion. And it was just the vibe and the energy, you know, being at our school at that time that just made you want to go and make moves. And we felt like, you know, if anybody in the world was going to do it, it was going to be the fam Ewan that was going to do it. And that was kind of like the energy uh, that that school gave us. Well, you're really interesting, uh, Rob. I didn't go to a HBCU or graduate from University of Houston in Houston, Texas. Texas Southern was right down the street. Further down the street was Prairie View. The next day was Southern, Grambling. But FAMU, man, has always had that mystique, you know, that, uh, put us in your shoes because uh, I, I really need to know. I'm from the outside and I get excited when I say FAMU. Why? Because, you know, FAMU was a unique place or is a unique place because it's always been the FAMU swag, the FAMU hustle. And, you know, we always kind of felt like when you go to FAM, yeah, you got this major, whatever that is. But right. then what's your hustle? What's your passion? Like, what do you really want to do? And everybody has some version of that. Right. And we were cool. So we could go, we could we could study, we could party, we could hang out and do everything in between. But there was always this kind of undercurrent of I want to do something. I want to change the world. I want to make something happen. And we were always doing that at school. And, you know, so many of my friends, when I look out, they're out there making it happen. And also, too, because you know, we were state school, so it wasn't like, you know, some of the other HBCUs that were kind of like, you know, anointed or the crown jewels or whatever. FAMU, we were we were always, you know, solid, uh, you know, and always well respected, right. but we always felt like we were outsiders kind of. And we loved that. And so because mm -hmm. of that, it gave us a different kind of edge. So when we broke into the industry, we took that FAMU <laughs> attitude with us to say, hey, we Rattlers, we here. And we're going to bring some other rappers with us. And right. so we were like, you know, your cool cousins that come around and make the party live. That's that's kind of, you know, how we were and how we still are. Well, you know, the funny part about this, Rob, the more you talk, man, the more animated you become, your smile get bigger and you get to bouncing, you know, like a boxer. <laughs> <laughs> It's hey, listen, it's just something in you. The more you talk about it, you just like, feel that. So I just... um. You know, anytime I get a chance to show off my school, you know, I, I always, always got to do that. Well, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about it, I know how college played a role in my life. I always tell people what I'm doing now is what I did when I was in college. You know, uh, production, the live events, all those things were nurtured in college. And in college, like you see, your degree is in engineering, but now you're a director, entertainment, and you met some met Will Packer there. And he was his degree is not in entertainment related field either. So how did that relationship come about and led to stump the yard? So uh, Will and I uh, met at a, at a pre-college engineering program called ECI mm -hmm. at FAMU. And so it was like right before our freshman year, they bring in all these engineering students that are going to be right. going to the school. And, you know, I was a guy that thought I was going to another school, but didn't get the money. He thought he was going to another school, but didn't get the money. We wound up at FAMU and we became fast friends. And what came out over our hanging out over that summer was that I wanted to be the filmmaker. And I was a big Spike Lee and John Singleton <laughs> and Robert Townsend fan. 
mm-hmm. and he wanted to be a business a businessman and have his own business. Mm-hmm. So just as we were hanging out and being friends, and then we became line brothers. Um, we're both alphas. Um, then when I wound up seeing Menace of Society, uh, you know, because that was the big movie in theaters, a, a few friends of mine were like, well, hey, since you did a small movie in high school, you ought to do something here. And then that gave Will and I a chance to do a project together at FAM. And that project was called Chocolate City. Um, you know, and it was it was a big deal for us because we were a historically black college with no film mm-hmm. program. And so it kind of became our thing. And when we, you know, put it out there and hustled it into a video deal, 10 years later, after we shot that movie, relatively, we got a chance to shoot Stomp the Yard um, in Atlanta at Morris Brown and a little bit over at Morehouse in Clark, Atlanta. And it was just so crazy, like 10 years of us kind of being out there on the grind to be doing an HBCU movie that Sony was paying for. And it was like Chris Brown's first movie. It was the movie that really put Columbus short on the map, even though he Mm -hmm. was a a great actor. And just to be able to do that and have so many of our friends behind the scenes and being able to celebrate our culture. And then, you know, it was number one, two weeks in a row. It was just a real, you know, special moment. And it was like our, you know, tipping the hats to our schools. You know, it was really interesting because I I told Will this story. The first time I told you the story because I was, um, executive producer, co-creator of the Steve Harvey Morning Show when we was in New York. And when they came out, you know, I was telling Steve, this Stomp the Yard movie, man, it's, 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 it's some brothers. And I didn't know you guys at the time. I said, we got to keep this movie number one, man. And and it's really interesting that the love I had for you guys and what you were doing, that years later you come back into our lives and do Think Like a Man, the author's book, Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man. And so that's really amazing, man. It's about... When you when you love something and you see something special and you guys were doing something special, you're still doing special things today. But again, I always tell people it's not always about the money. It's about the opportunity and the relationship. And that's really a testament to your career. Correct, Rob? Well, listen, well, first of all, we appreciate and I personally appreciate, <laughs> you know, uh, the shout out and the love, you know, that y'all gave us to help push that movie. That means a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's funny how those things come back around because we really loved that book. And, you know, I I definitely got to give a shout out to my wife because she was the first one to come talking to (laughs) me about that book. Like, hey, everybody's talking about this and we love the book and you got to turn this into a movie and so on and so forth. And and I'm glad that over time that 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 worked out. But you're absolutely right. I think a lot of times, you know, when we do things for the love, when we do things with the right spirit, the money comes. You know what I'm saying? And it just feels different. And whether you're doing something just for money or doing something because you love it, the grind and the work is going to be hard regardless. So you might as well grind and work hard for something that you love. So then that when that payoff happens, it's going to feel a lot different than if you're just doing something for a check. You know, you know, and, and, and you know, the interesting thing about it, you've always had a, 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 a HBCU flavor in your production, like the quad that you did at BET <laughs> with my girl, Felicia Henderson, I call yeah. her my baby sister. And, uh, you know, when I when I when I look at what you're doing in sports with All-American, you know, again, Rob, your gifts, man, so diverse. How that's a director. You know, people just want to do, some people are just a sitcom director. Some people just a sci-fi or big explosions, dramas. 
How are you able to manipulate that level of creative creativity in your mind? Um, you know, uh, because I love I love a lot of different types of things, you know, right. uh, and, you know, I would do the sci fi stuff with my dad when I was little and we would watch the Star Wars and Star Treks. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I got more into, you know, uh, stuff that looked like my neighborhood as, as right. we got older, <laughs> you know, um, and just and just being able to try to relate and make and make the characters relatable. You know what I'm saying? And I kind of mm -hmm. feel like, you know. I want us to be able to do stuff that we go and we go to the big movies and see and say, well, shoot, right. why can't we do the sci-fi and tell this story, but also make it authentic to our people. So that way it's not like the character or the black character is just there to be supportive or just there to say, Hey man, let me give, let me big you up. But to be able to say, I have, you know, dreams and aspirations. I'm, I'm heroic. Also, I have a love life too. So I want to be able to try to help, you know, tell those stories too. Really, my degree is in mathematics and my minor is sociology. So I'm not doing nothing tied to my degree. I've done sitcoms as a writer, produced them, created them, reality shows, but I never directed anything, Rob. What does a director do? And how, do, how can you become a director? So, um, as a as a sports fan, I relate it like this. A director is like the coach of a team. You design the plays and then put your actors in the best position to execute and win or do a good project. That's what a director does. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of like the head coach of the team. And the producer, right. the general manager, the GM, you know, they'll hire me or they'll hire the coach. Right. Um, so, you know. I, I love that because it gives me the opportunity to, you know, interact with people and talk to them and try try to fig, try to get to the truth of the situation so they can so it can feel as real to them and as relatable as possible to them. So that way the audience feels something. Right. Because if you just watch a movie or watch a TV show and you don't feel anything, then we just wasted your time. But even if you feel mad, sad, laugh, whatever it is, you feel something, then, you know, it was worth the time that you gave us, you know, to to watch our show. Well, you know, that's amazing. Just watching your talents and the, the, the break. So let me slow it down, man. I saw the finale of Power Book 2 Ghost. I'm going to tell you something, man. I didn't see this coming in this series. I didn't see that I would be spending my Sunday nights watching Power. I just didn't see it because when it came out, I heard the storyline. Drug dealer, club owner, you know, I went 50 cents. I go, I ain't watching that. I ain't watching that. I ain't watching it. It's not like a bad rap video that I don't want to watch. But what makes, what made it? Because I want to go back to when the beginning, because you were there at the beginning. And you've been there through yeah. the whole process. I apologize when I say that. And because you did the finale of Paul Book to Ghost. What makes that what makes that series work? So, you know, I think what makes the, the power series work is on a fundamental level, it's really relatable. So in the original power series, you had a guy that grew up a certain way, Ghost. Mm -hmm. And he did what he had to do, given his options. So he was a drug dealer and he had his mm -hmm. best friend that was along with him. And then he gets to a place to where he wants to make a change in his life and do something different, going to clubs. But he's got his, you know, his wife, 
and his best friend slash business partner that don't want him to change. Right. And then he meets this other woman who to him represents the change that he can be. And that's the fundamental of it all is trying to figure out how do I transition into who I want to be when the people around me are saying, all you can be is this. And mm -hmm. I think there's something like that from a, from a humanity standpoint, that's really relatable as we're at different parts, you know, positions in our lives where maybe you want to do something different than your family's accustomed to you doing, or your friends are accustomed to you doing, and you want to transition. And here's this guy. And it leads to, one bad decision after another bad decision. And I think we get caught up in that. And that's the foundation of that is what makes power amazing. And then it's in the world of clubs and drug dealers and stuff and toys and murder, which makes it cool. And so this is like the dare, you know, this, the ghost series is like part two of that. So mm -hmm. it was created by Courtney Kemp uh, and 50 Cent and just how they, you know, interwove the stories has been pretty amazing. Um, and they're really smart people. Um, so being a part of that's been cool. And it's been stuff that just, you know, as a 40 something year old guy, I can relate to on a lot of different levels. And so many other people. Here's the thing about this series. You know, the Fast and Furious series works because it's about family. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And then I equate that same thing with the Power series. He just wants to be a good dad. But so many elements stop him. His lifestyle stops him. His personal wants stop him. And that's yeah. really what drives him the most. You know, he wants to be a good husband, but then again, he meets the love of his life. He wants to be a good father, but then the lifestyle he lives, you know, that's not going to end good. You can't parent that life, you know, because you're going to walk your son right into that danger zone. But I did not see that young man who plays his son become the star that he is today. He's incredible, man. Yeah, he really is. Uh, uh, Michael Rainey Jr., shout out to him. I've just watched his evolution and growth as an actor. Wow. You know, when I, cause I, I came on and started working on the original Power show uh, season two. And just his role was a lot smaller as far as the amount of stuff he had to do. And it's grown. And just working on the ghost finale, um, just watching his range just change as an actor, you know, and how much more confidence that he has. Um, has been pretty amazing uh, to watch. And it's cool because it's like, you know, for him as a character, you know, he's doing the best that he can, but now, you know, you're trying to lead, you know, your father wants to keep you out of, the, out of, that, out of that business, but that's a part of his life. And the people that he's, you know, around, you know, are killers and drug right. dealers. So some of that stuff rubs off on him. So it's kind of, you know, uh, interesting that you work your whole life to keep your kids from certain things but because of how you do things, sometimes sometimes that stuff comes back. And I think that that it makes, it, uh, that, that makes for good TV. If you have not seen the finale, check out the finale. But here's the thing about, about Michael's character. Because like I said, it was small. He was Weasley. But the episode where his sister was murdered, yeah. I think to me, was a turning point for his character. Because for me as a person, I became engaged. I hated him. You know, I did. I was disappointed in him, but I couldn't. I, I hate too strong. I was disappointed because he was young. You can't hate a young person because you make mistakes when you're young. And that point on his character development, he exploded, man. When we look at who's our next Denzel, who's our next Samuel, man, he's on the radar to be that dude. He's on the radar. You know, you know, it, it, it's so interesting hearing you say that because I totally agree. I think that 
everything is fun in games until somebody gets seriously hurt mm -hmm. or killed mm -hmm. or gets mm -hmm. locked up for a long time for something that we did. Now it's real. So I think mm -hmm. that all the misfit like stuff that he was doing, the rebellious type stuff that he was doing as a, as a kid rebelling against his parents, um, changed when his sister died, especially knowing that that bullet should have been for him, made yes. him a different person. Because now you, you, you've crossed an invisible line and you can never come back. The only next logical step for him was to physically go and, you know, you know, get retribution, kill the guy that, that shot his sister. And once that mm -hmm. line was crossed, it was, it, you can't go back. You know, he opened Pandora's box. And so I think that there's like everything else as a result of that has been him growing into that new person. So well, you know, um, I, makes, I won't give away the makes him a great character. But the opening, the pilot of power, ghost character, looking good, innocent looking in the sense that he looked like he could be running a Fortune 500 company. And he killed somebody in that pilot, set the tone for the evolution of his son in the, in the series finale. And... Yep. You know, he says some things and some phrases in there that really signifies that I can't wait to, to I can't wait to the next episode. You know, that's a great story when you when you when you're sitting up there going, hey man, it's over with me. I didn't see another episode. And that's what you did last night in the finale, man. The finale that you that aired on Sunday night was amazing, man. Congratulations, man. I appreciate that. I'm really glad that you uh that you dug it. And yeah, you're right. I, I agree. Listen, the 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 pilot to power. I thought was uh, was really amazing to like bring you into that world and and it's crazy yeah ghost we we met ghost there and that's where he left us yes you know in that same club it's amazing and now let's talk about some other things outside of power you know the Hardy your rainforest entertainment just partnered with Lionsgate TV for a first look production year what exactly is that so what it is is that we have a uh, production deal with Lionsgate, uh, end of episodes specifically. So end of episode is the company, it's Courtney Kemp's uh, company, and she's the creator of Power. So that means that we're uh, partnering with her to develop content. And so first look means that my company, uh, Rainforest Entertainment, and I have a, a, a partner in my company from FAMU, Mitzi Miller, um, who uh, used to be editor-in-chief over at uh, Ebony Jet. Uh, and so... We'll have projects that we develop. And then once we take that to end of episode Lionsgate, if they want to partner with us on it, then we'll be business partners and we'll package it and try to sell the project. If not, then we're free and clear to take it anywhere that we want and get it set up. So, um, you know, it's a big deal for us as a company. Um, and so we're real excited about 2021. You know, the really interesting thing about my show, Money Making Conversations, is that and, and you have the same personality, Rob. You know, you just help people be helping. And But in a way, we've learned that that's been mentorship. That means that not afraid of competition. You know, I always tell people, if I give you an idea and you make a million dollars, I'm happy. Because that was an idea that obviously had no value to me. I couldn't do anything with it. And so you've established that with your foundation. You and your wife have established the foundation to train, mentor, and give people careers in this. And it is a lucrative film and TV business in Georgia. Tell us about that foundation. So um, we have a company called, or a foundation called um, the Robin Sean Hardy Amazing Stories Foundation. So my, mm -hmm. my wife and I uh, created the foundation and the whole purpose of it is to train people from our communities in the Atlanta metro area, um, 
how to get, you know, production jobs uh, on sets for TV right. and movies. But this is these, these are what we call below the line positions. So it's not mm -hmm. stuff like directors, writers, producers, but it's everything from transportation to camera to special effects, hair, makeup. Um, so a young lady, uh, Nina Packer, another family one, uh, runs the <laughs> foundation. And um, we partner with the city of East Point. Um, whose mayor, Dina Ingram, is another family one. Uh, you know, you, you see like the trend here. And uh, we did uh, two, we've done two seasons of it. So we've basically gone out, found people, trained them, put them on sets. Um, and a bunch of those people have gotten full-time jobs working on TV and movie sets. So we have people right now on shows like Black Lightning and Dynasty, um, you know, and shows like that. Um, so it's a really big deal because especially living in Atlanta, a lot of producers would come here and you go on the sets and they wouldn't have a whole lot of diversity behind the mm -hmm. scenes. It wouldn't be a whole lot of people that look like us. And they mm -hmm. kept saying, well, we can't find the people. There's no trained people. So my mm -hmm. thought was, okay, well then we'll create a pipeline. We'll create an avenue to where my cousin, your cousin that lives in our city can get some training and they can drive a truck. They can cook some food. They can carry right. some cable. They can do whatever. And then with that, they can get a career with a pension, uh, with some health insurance. And then they can show other people in our communities that this industry, this multi-billion dollar industry is for us too. Wow. Well, you know, I, 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 first of all, you know, the only thing wrong with this interview, man, because I'm a member of Omega Sci-Fi, and you keep repeating <laughs> the word alpha. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I got respect for the alpha, but you can't be saying that too many times on my show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, look, I'm going to tell you, look, my dad, my dad uh, uh, was an Omega. You know what I'm saying? And I used Whoa. to always tell him, I said, I said, listen, things get better with time. So, you know, <laughs> you know, you train me up, gave me all your gifts so that way I could, I could take this thing to greater heights. And that's what I did. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So, hey, oh, I love it. I hey, love it. here we are. <laughs> I, did a little, I did a little background check, but bro, man, first of all, first time we met, man, we was going to connect. The pandemic blew us everything. But this year, man, you know what I talked about before this call? Uh, I, brother, you, 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 you're amazing. And uh, we're going to do business in 2021 and uh, and carry some of these visions and these these skill sets that you have to the next level. And uh, I bought a building in Atlanta, so I want to invite you by, your wife by, so we can sit down and talk because I got some local productions I'm going to be doing that I'd like to be able to bring some of your some of the individuals over here and work them and matriculate them into our programs that we're trying to do. Because, again, if you don't have a resume in the business you don't have an opportunity and that's all you about that's all i'm about thanks for coming on money making conversations i appreciate you having me man as always man it's good to see you keep representing and doing your things in a big way Good. If you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com or subscribe on our YouTube channel. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host. 